All right, everybody, welcome back to Millennial Sales, episode 247. This is your host, Tommy Tahoe. Uh, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Excited for this one. I'm talking to my man, Fred Melanson, on this episode. Uh, this is, again, you know, this is the podcast where people come to uh, learn how to build a successful sales career in so many different ways. And uh, you know, I think Fred's really going to help a lot of people in this episode. Fred is the founder and CEO of Blinks. Uh, that's a relationship assistant that helps you manage follow-ups and catches blind spots in your customer relationships. Um, there's a few reasons why I want to have Fred on. One, we got introduced through Mutual Connection uh, and really hit it off. I loved hearing his story. Um, he's you know, a relatively new entrepreneur coming straight out of college, starting a company, which I think is just a badass move, uh, regardless of the business. But just having the gusto to do that in the drive. Um, Fred talks about hacking his way to a, a great network, which also led to investments and, and customers. Uh, we talk about product-led growth, which is hot in the streets right now. So what does that mean for sales? And what does he learn from that experience? We talked about so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Um, before we get to that, quick shout out to our sponsor, Postal.io. Justin love the Postal. Um, they are the OG sponsors of this show. Um, what do they do? They, they essentially help you cut through the noise with customers and prospects and partners by sending very curated, specific, customized gifts to them. Could be from a local florist or the brewery across town. Um, so rather than just automating it and sending something generic, you can send something very specific. So um, I've sent this to customers, to former podcast guests, uh, to uh, cross department people that I work with as a thank you. Um, so check them out at postal.io. We do have some cool stuff that we've got in the works coming later this year for uh, giveaways and things like that. Um, you can also hit me up. Don't forget LinkedIn, Tom Alamo, Twitter, Instagram, Tommy Tahoe. I'm posting every day on all of these platforms. And then Apple, Spotify, YouTube for this podcast is coming out every week. So uh, show some love. Without further ado, let me boogie on over to my conversation with Fred and we'll get this thing cracking. Let's go. All right, Fred, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me, Tom. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We've, we've had some technical difficulties this morning, but we're rolling through the punches. Uh, get through it. Can't get too upset at seven in the morning or else the rest of the day will just, you know, go to shit. So there you go. There you go. Um, well, it's great to great to be connected with you. I'm excited to hear about a lot of things, you know, what you're, what you're building over at Blinks, uh, your path, uh, product-led growth, a lot of those different topics. I'd love to start with, you know, getting folks a little more, um, you know, getting them some more knowledge about you and, and your story. You, you told me a story when we last chatted about kind of your, your way of hacking, uh, I guess, networking and, and uh, your, your early, early career while you were in college. So I'd love for you to kind of introduce yourself that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thanks again for, for having me. Yeah, I, I kind of growth hacked my network through, through college. I started, uh, I started college in, in business in McGill in Montreal. And I knew that I didn't want to go in a like investment banking job or like big consulting firm job. I wanted to start my business. Um, but I figured like what I need to, to start a business are two things, mainly capital and relationships. Capital is pretty, it's pretty obvious. 
But the main one was I, I need to make relationships, whether it's for potential clients or users or investors or whatever it is. And like college buddies are not going to get me as fast as I can in terms of starting the business. So I, I thought about it and I figured a, a pretty interesting way to grow hack my network. I, I wasn't the guy that would go to classes that much. Like I, I, I was more like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hustle on the side. So what I did was I worked full-time in a high-end restaurant in the business district in Montreal because that was where all of the VPs, CEOs, execs would go and eat. So that was a super quick way for me to build really high-quality relationships with people. And that's how I raised the first angel round for Blinks right before I graduated. That's how I got the first clients for Blinks and, and iterated on, on the on the pain point and the value. So yeah, that's that's the the way that I found to to build a network quickly. Did you you mentioned, you know, you didn't you weren't interested in like an investment banking uh, type of job, which you know, usually like a high achiever in, in college might go down that route, like because you can make pretty good money right off the bat and you just grind for a couple of years and really kind of set yourself up from a career. Yeah. Did you ever consider any other career path or, uh, you know, just being an entrepreneur straight out of college is pretty relatively unique. So I'm just curious if you had considered anything else or if you were just all in yeah. like trying to make your own ideas work. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough for sure to start something out of college because you don't know anything, right? Like you, right. <laughs> you don't know shit. So it was, it was tough, but I, I learned through starting the business that it's really the relationship side of, of business that I'm passionate about thus sales. So I, I kind of fell in love into the sales aspect of business while building Blinks because at the start I was trying to find a co-founder, which is a lot like selling in some ways. Like I was trying to get early clients and early users. So, so it's really the relationship side of things that, that was that I was interested about. And then uh, I think just being a problem solver and seeing seeing problems with the world and trying to solve it and have the independence to do so. Um, and I figured like, I can go to classes and try to learn that way, or I can try to do it myself and, and learn the other way, and it'll be even faster. Now, looking back, would I have been better just grinding it out in a, in a sales job? Maybe, um, but uh, chose, the, chose the startup path, and we'll see where it leads me. What do you think some of those folks, you know, while you're, you're this college kid hustling around, uh, with your idea for a company, like the folks that invested and, you know, some of your early customers, what do you think drew them to you? Um, because at that stage, your, your company is just an idea, right? So I have yeah, something absolutely. about you as a person that they're investing in. What, what do you think that might be? That's a, that's a tough question, but I mean, there's so much of the early investment decision that comes into the team and and the individuals that are there i mean when we started even now like we're we're starting to launch our product we're still we're still in beta we're preparing for public launch like it's still our pre-seed was still some kind of an idea so it has to do with showing like your character as a person to investors or to client and for them to believe in you and in your vision and in your your journey and and just to want to be a part of that i think that was the the main the main thing that I did early on and I still do is really start relationships extremely early and, and really go for like, ask for advice, like ask for money, get advice, ask for, for advice, get money, 
kind of the 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 way that I was thinking about it and really starting relationships extremely early, building those relationships with people, and then once it was time to ask for some commitment, just communicating the big vision and for people to to be on board. I guess that was that was it. That's a tough question in terms of of me. I'm just really passionate about sales relationships and and a hustler, and I've been able to show that. Like I've had the personality to figure my way through stuff in the past and, and yeah, being able to start the relationship early so you can communicate that before you ask for anything in terms of commitment. And I think that's also a lesson in sales in general. Um, that's how I raised the, the pre-seed round for Blinks. Like uh, it was really starting the relationship early and, and communicating my character and my, my other co-founder's character. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so what 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 problem are are you guys? We're not going to focus the whole thing on on Blinks as a product, but I do want to talk about it at least for a little. Like, what what exactly yeah. are are you guys doing there? Yeah, we're helping uh, we're helping customer facing teams engage their their prospects and leads based on activity insights rather than one size fits all sequences. So I mean, there we've talked about it in, when we when we first met, like. When you're in sales, especially as an AE, there's there's three things you can focus on mainly is who you're who you're reaching out to, when you're reaching out to them, and with what content are you reaching out to them. And what at Blinks, what we're really focusing on is the when. Like I think there's we've been at the end of the marketing automation wave where like sending a lot of emails isn't the competitive advantage anymore it's it's not like the person that sends the most emails wins it's really about personalization and timing and relevancy and there's some great tools like lavender that you recently interviewed for for the, the actual content of your email what blinks is trying to do is we'll be your revenue assistant that pings you with when there's engagement insights that we think you should reach out on so for for example um a lead in your crm just liked and commented on one of your posts it's a great timing to, to engage with them or if your product like company like hey someone just sign up for a free, free trial and then stop using the app for 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 a week and they're at a i got a company of a certain size that's a great like timing to to reach out to them so we're really trying to find those insights in your digital relationships to help reps get more replies by by increasing the relevancy of their their timing of their outreach yeah, I mean, if that, that's, if that's clear enough. We're, no, we're still trying to work uh, the positioning there, but if that's clear enough. Yeah, I mean, you you make it super clear with like the who, the what, and the when is is really the whole game for for prospecting, yeah. right? And um, yeah, I think a company like Zoom Info or um, you know Seamless or something like that kind of solves the who problem. You know, these con massive contact databases, the what. I don't really know if there's a technology for that. That that's kind of like in your sales skill. And then there's the when that you have no idea. Like you could send the perfect email, but if they just bought your competitor a week ago, or they just laid off half their people, like it, it doesn't matter how good your email is, right? And so yeah. timing really is everything. And um, there's there's just a matter of of luck to that at this stage and trying to gain any competitive advantage that you can. So I love the idea of trying to, you know, kind of hack your way into knowing when it might be a better time to reach out than others. Yeah, and if and and the problem right now that, that we see is the only way 
to try to have some timing in terms of your AE or CSM outreach right now is to use automated tools. And like people are getting tired of receiving automated LinkedIn messages and automated emails. And you can see when it's automated, I mean, you can improve it the best you can, but let's say for example, like I'm signing up for, for a web builder tool and I'm starting to use the blog feature, the landing page feature a lot. Well, if the sales rep receives an insight in Slack to reach out to me with like some blog content or help desk content about the blog, the chances of me replying are way higher than if it's, if it's just part of a, an automated sequence and I receive that email five days later. So there, I mean, there's, there's a ton of engagement activity that's, that's happening, whether it's through your sales conversations or your emails, your calls, et cetera through your marketing engagement or through your product for product-like companies that sales reps are not really using to switch from like, okay, you've onboarded or you're, you're a lead in my pipeline. And I use a, I use a one size fits all sequence with like two days and then three days and five days or switching that to being able to really engage when you're ready to listen at scale. That's what we're trying to do. It's a hard problem, but I think it's, it's worth it as, as people are looking for that human connection more and more in, in the relationship with sales reps. Um, so yeah, I think it's an interesting problem. We were talking for a minute about just the sales tech landscape before we started. I'm curious to get your take. We, you know, uh, Zoom Info just announced the acquisition of Chorus uh, you know, two days yeah. ago at this point, you know, as of this recording. And you know, my, my take is that I think there's going to be a lot more consolidation. I hear from customers and and people I've talked to on the podcast all the time that the sales tech stack is just too wild. A lot of things that don't work together. Uh, it's tough to get adoption. I'm, I'm curious, you know, with your feet on the ground, what you see in that way. Yeah, yeah I agree for sure. And there's, there's a, a lot of players that are popping up in, in our space, uh, especially with like product led sales, which, which is part of what we're focusing on. But I think the fragmentation in silos is a problem that, I think Zoom in for acquiring Chorus is an example of that, of, of, of breaking silos and, and consolidating two tools that are, that are interesting together. But it's something that we see, right? There's, I mean, there's, there's companies right now that are, that are trying to bring in product insights into the hands of sales reps. But then there's, there's marketing automation tools with insights for marketing insights for sales reps. There's also tools with conversation insights and email insights, but it's still not into one. So that's, yeah, I think that's where the, the adoption problem comes from is sales reps have 50 plus tools to, to use and 50 plus interfaces to, to deal with. So what we're trying to do at Blinks is, hey, we're gonna integrate into all of your tools. So it's really into your workflow. And we're not only gonna catch like conversation insights worth acting on, but also marketing uh, activities and, and product insights if you're a product led or if you have a freemium or free free trial. I'm curious, are you going to, are you trying to sell to execs like top down or are you starting to just try to get users? Well, once you launch the product and, and if, if this is too early to even share, you can just tell me to get to the next, uh, the next question. I'm curious, I see some companies like they're trying to go like full B2B like sales motion, go to the CMO yeah. or the CRO and others are just trying to get as many users at the practitioner level as possible. I'm just curious what your, what your take is on that. 
Yeah, that's a good question. And it, it might change, obviously, as, as we iterate and test. But one of the, the things that um, bothers me about the sales tech space right now is that everything is made for the VP sales or everything is made for the CRO or the, or yeah. the manager. And I think there, there are some great tools that are, that are using that strategy. But for us, it's really about empowering the sales rep, empowering the, the AE more specifically, because there's a lot of tools for SDRs for marketing automation, outreach, sales, loft, lendless that are, that are great. But in terms of empowering the AE, the conversations that I have most often, it's like, yeah, when, when the lead enters the first step in my pipeline, it gets super manual. And if I'm building a relationship with the prospect, I can't really use like too much automation because it, it, sometimes it can hurt the relationship. So we're, I'm trying to fight against like tools that are just made for managers and then pushed on to sales reps. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're trying to build blank. So it's really like one of our co-founders is a designer. So we're really focusing on UI UX, focusing on end user value and, and really empowering the sales rep. Now, one problem with that is we need to integrate with, with some of your tools. So we're, we're trying to, we're trying to see how we can do that best because we, you might need like managerial access for your CRM to plug your CRM into our tool. Um, but yeah, we're really focusing on the, the rep empowering the rep, not necessarily, uh, selling to, to execs. What do you think? Well, yeah, good I mean, idea, get, bad. No, if you get, if you get all the reps on a team, well, you could do it two ways. Like if you get all the reps on the team and you're trying to make a, uh, you know, one kind of like enterprise type of sale, then if all the reps are, are advocating for it it's a, it's a much easier sell that way. You know, if you do need to sell to a VP of sales, um, but you could also do it, you know, as an individual thing too, depending on your technology and you say, Hey, each user is X per month and you sell it kind of like, you know, one off, like a sales navigator might, um, you could go, you could do it either way. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting, uh, thing that we're going to, we're going to validate, but right now, I mean, as a pre-seed company, we're really focusing on delivering value to the, yeah. to the end user. And then once we figure, once we have validation there and we have uh, insights, we'll, we'll look into like, what's the revenue model and the, and the go to market. Yeah. So um, let's talk about entrepreneurship for a minute. Um, like I said, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a really bold path coming straight out of college. And I think, you know, a lot of people that listen to the show uh, are super ambitious right? Um, they're trying to get better. Uh, a lot of them have side hustles or have explored entrepreneurship in the past or want to in the future. I'm one of those people, right? Like I, I, I'm interested in, in entrepreneurship. I'm just curious to hear about your journey of that. And specifically in a time of like you started a business and like most of this has been during COVID, right? And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> like all, like you're doing this grinding work, but all like alone in your rooms probably like can you talk about what that experience has been like yeah i mean we um it's it's a good point like it's uh it's something to think about but it's there's a there's a ton of learnings through that journey i mean we've we've started blinks before covid so we like the first year of the business was before covid we did 500 startups the last cohort in person of 500 startups in san francisco and then we graduated, COVID started. We actually had to do demo day remote because of COVID. It was like the, the, the March of the year that it started. And then we've been, we've been remote. I think it's just, 
COVID has accelerated this, the, the sales space in some ways. Um, I think it's made some shifts that are interesting in terms of like, yes, you have to be efficient with your tools remote and you have to have like productivity tools for working remote. But at the same time, people are looking for that human to human connection and like the, the, the ages of bots and like super automated messages is starting to be over, even if we're, we're all remote. Um, but in terms of entrepreneurship, my, my goal was just to like, instead of having flashy logos in my resume, I wanted to show that I've like done something or figured out something. And for me, it was the fastest way to learn, like passionate about sales, going to start a sales tech company, like whether, whether that, whether that works out or not, like, it's just great learning, uh, that I can apply to whatever I, I, I do next, but it's, um, obviously a really tough one like you have to to really have uh resiliency and self-awareness and and also understand that it's it's a marathon not a sprint i think it's a mistake that i did at the the start wanting to to work like 14 16 hours a day but you realize that like your your startup is more than a year so if you do that you have to you have to take care of yourself in the progress one thing that I also focused on early on is like, I don't know shit. So I'm going to surround myself <laughs> with as many advisors as I can, as many like mentors. So, I mean, part of engaging with sales communities, asking other startup founders to, to take meetings, like the first year of Blinks every week, I would book like minimum three or four meetings, which is people that I wanted to ask and learn from. And it wasn't like trying to sell. It wasn't like, it, it was just, Hey, you have experience. I need some advice and that, that helped me just be better, faster. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, it's an interesting journey, but it's, uh, it's really great. I would uh, recommend it to, to everyone. Obviously you need the uh, thick skin. How, how did you find those people to connect with? Like you would just hunt them on LinkedIn and, and DM them or, or what was your way of kind of like finding the right people to ask advice to? Yeah, I mean, one one part of it was the growth hacking thing that I did in college. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was in front of CEOs, VPs, like partners, and and real interesting people. Um, and then leveraging those relationships to get to get intros, showing that you're hungry, that you want to learn, that you're here for the right reason, um, and in terms of sales, that you're passionate about about sales and learning and contributing. I mean, that's. Always for me, it was always about framing it as advice and and wanting to give rather than than take. Um, there's also some LinkedIn DMs that that's happened in yeah. there. A uh, bit of email uh, intros, being creative with your intros. Like, hey, I want an intro to an investor. I look at Crunchbase. I see who they've invested. Do I know someone? Then asking in the background. So yeah, all that all that stuff. Yeah. Um... Well, I think that's I think that's a huge piece of of success. No matter what, if if you're a founder, if you're a salesperson, as you're trying to grow your career, right? Like um, being willing to have like a beginner's mind, like you say, you don't know shit, yeah, right? yeah. and so know that there's always something to that you can learn from other people and from really anyone that you connect with. And um, it seems like if I'm picking this apart, like your superpower seems to be in. I guess in two ways, have that beginner's mind, but also, you know, just be, be able to build relationships and, and kind of like find the right people to connect with and, and learn as much as you can from them and just keep moving forward and forward. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really the basis of it is build like quality relationships, build meaningful relationships. Whether you're you're trying to sell something as an SDR and AE or or you're an entrepreneur, like going for the long run in terms of your relationship, I think is a is a, is really undervalued. But it's it's the base of of everything. That's what I'm passionate about in business is the relationships that we build, um, like under under our jobs or our day jobs whether it's in it's in sales or marketing or growth or or startups so yeah that's that's what i've been focusing on that's what saved my ass for for the last two two years whether it was fundraising or, or getting clients yeah i think that's the base of it so you mentioned kind of playing the long game like treating this like a marathon because it is and i think that's a a, a trap that a lot of us ambitious people fall under is getting excited about something, getting passionate about it. And then it's good to go all in, but maybe going too all in to a place where you're sprinting and it's not a sustainable amount of effort or time or yeah. energy yeah. to yourself out. And you seem very, you know, kind of methodical about making sure that that doesn't happen. I'm just curious if you have, you know, on those times where maybe you are feeling, you know, a little lower energy or you're feeling like shit man i'm so far away from the goal or or anything like that if you think about something if you do something if uh you have any insight on like what someone might tell themselves if they're kind of feeling that way and, and just to help them kind of think more more uh you know legitimately about like the long term and it being a marathon yeah that's a that's a good question i mean i it's hard to to put it in practice though like it's it's yeah. easy to say but like i i'm not i'm not perfect at it like sometimes i i feel bad when i'm not working or or i i let the i let stress like take the best of me or or i work like i still work really really hard hours but um i think like believing in the the mentality and putting it in practice is something else but in terms of in terms of tricks I mean, it's, it's finding the little things that just make a difference, like walking my dog in the afternoon, like taking a break, like knowing that back-to-back -back Zoom meetings will like exponentially increase your fatigue as you, as you work throughout the day, um, meditating or taking some time to do sports. Like in our, at Blinks in our Slack, we have like statuses that you can put yourself in, in, in like meditating or, or doing sports or, or like self-care um so those are those are things that i try to try to work on also really just talking to yourself in terms of the psychology that like hey it's not the 16th hour in your day that's going to make a difference especially because we lost so much time at the beginning of blinks to just try to work hard but like okay we're working hard but maybe we're not in the right direction yeah like and spending more time and there's there's other aspects of that like that thought process in terms of spending more time to do discovery to to position your product well like there's finding a cto too early and not validating but in terms of like self-care it's really like just repeating to yourself that it's not like more work e equals more value yeah what, yeah what about you what do you do to 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 nurture yourself and to not uh, go for the marathon not the sprint yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I've been trying to be better at because I have burnt myself out uh, before in the past of just like going too hard with sales plus podcast plus 
blog plus all, you know all this other stuff um i think what i've tried to do more truthfully i think when i came out of college like you know i had this not that this podcast is about me so i see what you're doing trying to flip the question but um i made a hard you know left turn you know i was like partying a lot out of college and you know, for the first like nine months and you know starting my sales career and taking it taking it seriously but also maybe not very seriously and yeah. um, when I moved from Boston to San Francisco, I made like a hard left turn and I left a lot of those you know, friends kind of like in the rear view. And I started reading a ton. I started, you know, getting into like Tony Robbins type stuff and listening to podcasts and started this podcast and doing all this stuff that was like really career focused. And then almost like kind of like left a lot of like the friendship and enjoyment of life like behind. And so what I've tried to do in the last year or two is, is like bring that a little bit back and uh you know like like you're saying spend some time like you know playing sports like i i, I played tennis last night uh with with, with some friends and nice. just trying to like have that balance where yeah. it's not always work and you can kind of not feel guilty when you're gonna have a night where you're gonna have a date night or you're gonna hang with friends or watch the game or whatever um and like just understand that that doesn't make you like a failure. It, it sounds yeah. weird to say, but that is that's how the, I no. That's a that's an important point. Yeah, that's an important point. Understand that that it's not a failure. That's that's really the psychology of it. I think is most of the work of like understanding, thinking about about what you do in terms of ROI. Like maybe going out to play tennis or having dinner with your with your fiance. I think you're you're yeah. engaged, right? Um, congrats by the way. Uh, so you're going out for dinner with your fiance, like that's ROI on the value that you bring to the business, even if you're not working. So I think that, that self assessing the psychology of it and, and telling yourself that, Hey, you're doing this to take care of you because the, the better your energy is, the better your mood is, it's going to impact the value that you bring on the business. Also as a startup founder, I mean, you have to be able to learn to work with failure. I mean, it's similar to sales. You have to understand that like failure sometimes is your default status and it's okay. Yeah. And frame it as like, as long as you're learning and you're growing, because I mean, startups, 95% of startups fail. So as a startup founder, like your default status is failure and failure might not be negative, but if obviously if you succeed, that's great. But just framing it as as like the psychology of it and turning it around and, and thinking about ROI and growth in terms of your business and, and, and yourself, I think it's going to make a, a big impact on your output and your value and also your, your mental health. Yeah. And like, I mean, when you think about, you know, I, I love reading and, and listening to podcasts of people that are successful in different fields, um, you know, outside of just sales or, or even, even outside of business. And you know, most of the time people's like main successes come in their thirties or forties or sometimes even fifties. And so to take the pressure off of like, Hey, you, know, you don't need to peak at 28, you know, like you're on the, like you're learning, you're growing. And I have this sticky yeah. note to myself that I wrote last quarter that says 30 years, not 30 days. And that is like, I just, I'm looking at it right now. And it, it's just like, it doesn't matter if like, you know, the customer pushes you off or, you know, you, you fuck up on this one call, like, yeah, that, that, you know, kind of sucks for a moment, but in the long run, 
there's like, if you're building the skill set and, you know, you're building the connections and you're growing and you're getting 1% better every day, then, you know, 30 years from now, you're going to be like, so sad. And even, you know, five years from now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just trying yeah. to focus on those things that, that stack versus like the little, you know, things that, that, you know, negatives that might happen in a day or in a week. Yeah, and I think you can apply that well to, to sales and startups. I, I saw a tweet by David Kensel, the CEO of, uh, of Drift, and he said, like, r- the market right now, like, your differentiation doesn't come from the product anymore. It comes from the experience and the brand. And I think that applies to product startups, but also to sales reps. Like, mm-hmm. your, your differentiation will not necessarily come with your one email or the, the the deal that you just closed it's going to come from the experience that you have you offer whether it's through that that sales pipeline or through the relationships that you build and i think having that mentality of going for 30 years rather than 30 days it's going to switch from like immediate pain relief or immediate like gratification towards working on on something more sustainable long term and and really building those relationships so i think that applies to even like the work that we do every single day. Yeah, man, I think it's just consistency and being able to ride it out. Like no matter what you're doing, if, if you're starting a company, if you're a sales rep, if you're trying to get better at, you know, basketball, whatever it is, like if you're just, if you just keep plugging away, like it might take some time, but you're going to get there. Like yeah, you're going to get there for sure. Every discipline, right? If you just keep working hard, and you have the patience to look at a longer time horizon, you know, it might not happen as soon as you want, but it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's your motivational uh, part of the podcast. There you go. The, the psychology <laughs> part of the, that podcast. Um, so you, the reason that we got introduced um, to a mutual friend, Zach, and um, I think you met him doing you know, kind of like hacking your way into learning about product-led growth companies, which is kind of like the sexy, uh, you know, new wave, I feel like in SaaS and in startups. And, and uh, so I'd love for you to talk about like what some of your learnings are uh, from about product-led growth and, and maybe for people that are interested in those types of companies, whether it's yep. working at them or investing in them or just learning more about the market. I'd love to hear what you learned about that experience. Yeah, and I mean, it all it all started from a from a blog that I was writing that turned into an ebook. Like I was writing about product led sales and that shift that this that sales is is going through right now of like selling and then delivering value to switching from delivering value and then selling. Uh, so it started off of a, on a blog, and then I it was so interesting. I kept writing, kept writing, kept writing, and turned into an ebook. And what I did was I just reached out to really cool product like companies like Zoom, like Hugo, like Unstack, like Miro, uh, Open, the guys at OpenView um, to just learn more about the space and what they're doing. So got conversations with like VP sales at Pitch, head of growth at Loom and really interesting people. And through that process, like I was just trying to learn myself because I think it's a space that is interesting and it's making the sales motion change a little or or some say a lot um so it was just through that process like i i had conversations with those i I wasn't trying to sell anything i was just trying to write an ebook where it showed like the best practices that product by companies do in terms of their outreach sequences in terms of prioritizing leads in terms of the sales process the demos the follow-up sales enablement etc um 
so it was through that process that I met with Zach, uh, that's the VP sales and, and marketing at Adstack. And yeah, I learned, uh, I learned a ton. I think that, I mean, Blake from, uh, from OpenView writes a lot about that, but I think for product like companies, it's all about like sales is not, not needed anymore. Like, it's not like your product led, you don't need sales. In fact, like Slack hires 50% more sales reps every year at Lazy and is hiring a shit ton of sales reps. Like the, the best product like companies, if you look at the companies that are certain size, they're hiring sales like crazy. So it's the, the misconception that product led equals not no sales is completely wrong. Uh, so I think that's what I was interested about and understanding like how that changed your sales funnel, how that changed your sales dynamics and the strategies that you use and really focusing on delivering value and then engaging sales reps on the right leads at the right time. And I think that's a, that's a space where there's, there needs to be more tools and we're building, we're building uh, product blind spots for sales into our, our Blinks assistant right now. But there's a, there's a ton of learnings in, in that ebook, like how Loom prioritizes uh, product qualified leads, for example, or how, how Hugo builds their outreach sequence for free users and try to convert them into paid. Um, so yeah, that was through that process that I, I met with Zach and other leaders in the, in the product that space. Cause that's a completely different sales cycle than, uh, you know, say where I'm at with gong, right. Where it's outbound. Right. And you're going yeah. and you're hunting and you're trying to find the right people at the right time. And that's your main problem. Whereas if you're at Slack, for example, um, you know, you've got people coming in for free, right. Trying the product out and it's partially that the product needs to show up and, you know, provide enough value and, and get sticky, but then, you know, you need to kind of prioritize and work your sales cycle off of that. So it, it does feel like as a salesperson, it's a completely different motion, at least in yeah. the beginning, um, in terms of how you're building relationships and, and adding value to people. Yeah. And I think you can do both. Like there's a lot of companies that are doing both, but you said it, you said it right. Were you introduced to Slack via an email? No, you weren't like you were, you were invited by a coworker or you tried yeah. the tool first, but Slack is still hiring 50% more sales reps every year. So there's, there's, I think there's a shift in mentality and, and sales funnels and companies can be sales led or can be product led or can be both. Um, but I think it's, it's just an interesting way to think about um, like when you, who you engage, when, with what content switching to more of a consultancy style sales, um, having CS reps be more involved in the sales process. So I think that's what I tried showing in, in the eBooks, the, the, the tactics that the people use. And like, maybe your first touch points are automated for your free users, but then someone, a human walks into the, to the, to the process. And it's the important of when you reach out to user, it's like, you have to be extremely, what I found with those companies, they're extremely contextual. Like if you use Hugo uh, on, on a Saturday, someone from the CS team or the founder will send you an email saying, hey, like I can relate, working hard, working long hours. So it's extremely contextual, mm -hmm. the timing is right. And they focus also on, on, on the best leads because if you're Loom and you bring in 10,000 leads a month, a month, like you want to focus on the right one. So I think there's, there's different dynamics. Um, but you can still be sales led, product led, or both. I mean, there's there's other terms now like community led or um, yeah. everything led yeah. works nowadays. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
there's always a new buzzword and i love that that saturday example of like a, a cadence um and i'd say like if i were to think just as a salesperson you know if i were to go back through like an interview process i think it'd be a good question to ask you know if it's product led like learning about you know what what's the percentage of uh you know conversion from free user to paid and if it's not you know if they do any sort of trial in the sales process or pilot like what's your conversion there because like to sell a product that someone tries and as soon as they get it in their hands it's almost like game over right like we need this um is so different than anything else and like that's you know there's situations at gong where you know people uh, you know, pilot it maybe with a small team or something like that, and then expand. And um, yeah. it's 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 the first time I've sold in that motion before. And it's so it's such a breath of fresh air as a salesperson that you know you get it in their hands, and then it's like, oh, it's it's game over. It kind of reminds me when I was selling Cutco knives, and you're in someone's kitchen and you're chopping up veggies, and then all of a sudden you're like, why don't you take the knife? And uh, once they do yeah. that, like, wow, this yeah. thing's amazing. And then, you know, it's like a, it's an automatic sale. So I think that's just yeah. kind of a random footnote for, for people when you're thinking about your next company as well. Yeah, but I think also like sales are crucial. They're, they're, still, they're still crucial because the, the barriers to entry in terms of products totally. is getting lower and lower. So a feature that was hard to code a couple of years ago, now you can code with uh, like uh, in seconds or no code and, and people expect it. So the different the differentiation and goes back to um, the Drift CEO's tweet, like it's all about the experience that you offer. Like what's going to make a client stay with Gong? Well, your marketing is killer and your the experience that your sales rep and your CS reps provide is amazing. And that's going to make it, that's going to make a huge difference, like on par with another company that has a similar product. So I think sales reps are still, are still crucial. CS reps are crucial in that process to expand. And and what I try to showcasing in the ebook, it's all about think for product like companies, it's all about your your growth loop, your value loop. Like the the action, the trigger, the action, the reward, and the investment. And like people can go through that loop on their own by signing up for a free product, but but there's probably ways for sales to increase that loop or to unblock users through that loop and make sure that they they're more successful in your product. So it's just a, it's just a different way to think about it. But I, I think people like, uh, yeah, like people want value before they give their credit card more and more. Yeah, totally. Uh, last, last, uh, kind of topic for you. We're big learners on this podcast. Uh, I'm curious, like whether it's books, whether it's podcasts, people you follow on, on LinkedIn or otherwise, uh, that have been impactful for you so far in your career. And this could be sales or entrepreneurship or mindset or any any topic is fair game but just curious what is has made an impact on you yeah i mean uh, a couple books that have made a big uh, big impact the mom test um has been huge in terms of doing discovery and, and understanding the pain point of, of of customers like for the first year of blinks uh i realized that i was fought like going after false positives and Mm -hmm. I restarted the whole customer discovery process right after reading the mom test. So that's been extremely useful. Um, I think spin selling uh, is a, is a classic. Um, obviously awesome by April Dunford. I mm -hmm. think for, for founders are out there, people working on, on the product or even sales, like being able to understand your product's positioning 
and what your potential customers are comparing your offering to. And sometimes it's not other like flashy tech companies. It might be the status quo or it might be an intern. So that book was extremely, extremely useful. Um, another one just for founders and the, the title is cheesy as hell, but it's, it's, it's really great. And Nathan Latka also suggested that book. It's how to get rich by Felix Dennis. Uh, it's a, it's a British entrepreneur that just goes like extremely transparent about what it takes to just succeed in life. And, and as a founder and as, a, as someone in a, in a like customer facing role in a way. And it, it's been honestly one of the most enjoyable books, but also the, the greatest learnings, but like you have to go past the title because the title, the title yeah. is like super cheesy. You don't read that uh, in a coffee, just in public. You, you keep that to yourself at home yeah, yeah. with that title. Uh, and, and last thing, I think just, uh, just the 80, 20 rule in sales has helped me a lot. Right. It's like you talk for 20% and you let the other person talk for, for 80 and you'd be surprised how just following that will help in terms of coming across as more charismatic, building that rapport quickly, but also learning way quicker what you're trying to learn, whether it's your prospect or, or your customer. I think that's that's not a book in itself, but that that helped me a lot. Totally. Um, I'll have to check that one out. And you're not trying to read How to Get Rich like on a plane or something. Uh, but no. <laughs> have you read, <laughs> uh, have you read, this is, this is somewhat related to what we were talking about earlier, but have you read Shoe Dog? I have, yeah. I, I, I love that book uh, for so many reasons, but one similar to what we were talking about uh, for folks that don't know, it's, it's the story of Phil Knight and how he created Nike. And like 95% of the book is from like 1977 to like, you know, 1990 or something or 19, yeah, the first like 10 to 15 years where there was so much yeah. pain and struggle and hard struggle and, and hustling then, and like being weeks away from not yeah. having money in the bank. Yeah. And then they, then they IPO and then there's like five pages after that to like cover the next 20 years where they have like massive success. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I love the way that he wrote that book where it really does. It is such an emphasis on the grind uh, versus just like, you know, having Michael Jordan, you know, be like your main sponsor and all that stuff. So yeah, that's such a good point. There's a lot of business books that are like they, the five pages are the grind of the start. And then you're, you're at chapter one and it's like, okay, we have a hundred million in revenue or like yeah, we have yeah. a million in revenue. It's like, I want to know about the start because that's really the, the hard part. Like startup founders talk about the year of hell, like the first, the first, one of the first couple of years of your startup is going to be year of hell. But like, no one talks about that, that like dark side of entrepreneurship and the hustle and I think that book is a good example of like when the, the Japanese investment bank like bailed them out because they didn't have yeah. any money. He talks openly about that. And I think not enough people are talking about how hard it is at the start. I try to do that a little in, in some blogs that I write. Like I did a blog like here are our fuck ups for 2020 and yeah. like what we learn <laughs> from them. But I think there needs to be more on that of like it's not all all like fundraising news and articles and like big big acquisition news there's also like hustle that has a, a lot of learning in it that people don't talk about totally man totally uh well fred i appreciate you your time uh your hustle your energy coming on the show um, thanks man where, where's the 
best place for folks to learn, you know, connect with you and, and learn more about Blinks? Yeah, I mean, I'm really active on LinkedIn, so they can connect with me, uh, Fred Melanson, on LinkedIn uh, to learn about Blinks, Blinks.com, B-L-I-I-N-X.com. So anyone in a sales position that's trying to uh, get more replies and build more meaningful relationships uh, without using automated sequences and, and really be more efficient with their, their touch points. Um, we're opening, we're in beta and Gmail right now. So we only have like invite only a hundred, uh, spots. I think there's a few left. So if people sign up or send me a message, I can unlock them for them. Um, and we're preparing for a more public launch in September. So, uh, yeah, check us out. Links.com. Awesome. Appreciate your time, Fred. Appreciate you uh, having me, man. It was a blast. Thanks for, thanks for agreeing to speak. Absolutely. What's up, everybody? Thanks for checking out that podcast. Uh, happy July to you. Uh, would love if you took 22 seconds and hit subscribe wherever you're listening or watching this. Uh, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, your favorite podcast player. And be sure to check out some of my content on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm Tom Alemo. And on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Tommy Tahoe. Have a great day. Make it legendary. Peace.